Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. where we start with a random article, explore it, then follow the links and see where it takes us. Now, John, what is your random article? I've got the flora of Connecticut. Hmm. Mine is Nigel Brennan. Okay, I'm going to ask you first, because flora of Connecticut, I feel, is pretty self-explanatory, and it's not the most floral state. Mm Mm-hmm. Who's this Nigel bloke? He's an Australian photojournalist. I was right. He is a bloke. Yep. Australia. <laughs> now, it is a short article. Although, it's short, but he made a memoir. Although, he did have an interesting life, so... I don't know. Meanwhile, did you know the state flower of Connecticut <laughs> is a mountain laurel? It's funny, because I'm pretty sure that's the state flower of every state around Connecticut, including <laughs> Pennsylvania. So, can we please do yours? <laughs> yes, let's go ahead with Nigel Brennan. Now, this guy, he, in 2008, got kidnapped. And, let's see, where was he taken to... Okay, it doesn't say where they were taken to, but it was in Mogadishu, so it's somewhere not Australia. Somewhere in Somalia, it says at the... uh, Somalia? Because they're talking about Somali translators and stuff. I'm guessing Uh, it's Somalia. Yep, so he was kidnapped and kept in a room with, um, I guess, a colleague of his... In a room three by five meters. The colleague was a girl. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) And, yeah. Wow. So they both, after this, converted to Muslim to to ingratiate themselves with their captors. And then they attempted to escape. And then they were recaptured in a mosque. And... Their ransom demand was $1 million. And they were held for over a year, and then the ransom was paid. Well, I should mention that the, the ransom that they got was $1 million. The ransom right. was lowered from whatever <laughs> it was initially to $1 million. Mm-hmm. And then they got that. So that's uh, pretty pretty intense yeah that's that's a lot of money i mean to give to terrorists yeah (laughs) i do mean that like they literally gave one million dollars to islamic terrorists to free these people that's true that's i don't know i mean i'm all for freeing people from terrorists at the same time i don't know how for giving one million dollars to terrorists (laughs) i am yeah that's not so good. And 
I mean, th- these are photojournalists, or this is a photojournalist. Yeah. And, I mean, it's... If he was, like, the, I don't know, leader of the country, might be important to do whatever's necessary to get him back. But this is a guy who just is like, yeah, sure, I have a camera. I'll go to dangerous places and take <laughs> pictures. Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. It's also worth to note that the other notable thing that this guy has done in his life is not photojournalism, as it turns out, but <laughs> win or compete in the Clipper Round the World Yacht Race. <laughs> now... We're sitting here kind of lamenting the fact that $1 million was given up for this person's rescue. <laughs> he committed in a yacht race, people. He has some yeah. friends that are plugged the hell in. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a telltale sign. You throw around the word yacht, <laughs> and uh, immediately it's a whole different ballgame. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, it's also, he's also from Australia, so maybe he just has, like... He's from Sydney or something, and he has a lot of people who are into that. Yeah. Huge yachting culture down there, but still. You know, one thing I just thought of is, why would they kidnap a photojournalist, and why would they hold them for over a year trying to get the ransom? Guess to figure that out, you're going to have to buy Nigel Brennan's 2011 (laughs) memoir, The Price of Life. A true story of kidnap and ransom. He co-authored it with his sister and his sister-in-law, Kelly Brennan. And it detailed his uh, psychological journey from the first weeks to the end and also the family's perspective on uh, you know, the whole uh, thing of uh, having a family member uh, kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I feel like I mean, if I was those terrorists, it's like, okay, you're not paying the ransom. I'm just going to kill these people, and then I'm going to get new hostages. You know what, Eric? We have a way to investigate this further, and it's in this article. Is it? Under C also, there's a nice handy link to foreign hostages in Mm. Somalia. If we click that, sure, we're going to get deluged with a bunch of information we're not going to (laughs) use. But we're also going to get a whole list of victims of very similar crimes from probably around the very similar times. And, as such, we may be able to find a pattern. See, like, do these people just not like having their picture taken, or do they just know, go after members of the media, because (laughs) members of the media are plugged into other members of the media, and as such, it's a vicious cycle. If you take Mm. a member of the media, the most word out possible will happen. That's true. I think that's like that might be it. Like if you take if you stole Tom Brokaw, you would have more media yeah. attention from that than you would have if the president was taken. <laughs> because it was that's like, true. oh well, it's the president. That's the national. That makes sense. Just Tom then, Brokaw. But then the government might also want to keep that secret. True. Exactly. So, so maybe that's their logic. Okay. All right. I think I'm I'm getting this. I can dig it. I mean, I can't dig it. I, no, can't no, no. Con- I can't condone it, but Ethically I can understand it. Terrible. <laughs> right. I can understand the logic of why they or what, whatever you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, let's go. Let's go see if that's actually like uh, sort of even close to being right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this looks like it's just a bunch of different types of people. 
Yeah, I mean, there's really no uh, consistency between what exactly there is here. There's a couple from a sailing boat. There's some security <laughs> agents. There's actual British uh, security gu- security officers from uh, an island off of Kenya. <laughs> now, um, now that I think about it, Somalia isn't like that movie Captain Phillips wasn't that about Somalian pirates look at me look at me you're right I thought so yeah (laughs) I know my movies even if I haven't seen them yeah it's weird how that works I probably actually have more knowledge about movies I haven't seen than movies I have seen how did that happen I don't know Okay. But I can tell you if, you know, given synopses and actors and scenes, I could I could tell you. I could tell you what movie it is. Did you read a lot of IMDb growing up or mm, how do you not you don't really come across that knowledge? Um, I think I just see a lot of um Wikipedia articles? Well, no, I'm more like DVD covers, product plug, trailers. Okay. That kind of stuff. Fair enough. It stays in my brain. Hmm. Something. I don't know. It's my superpower. It's a weird... It's a weird superpower. I mean, that's like... It's not a useful superpower. <laughs> but I mean, like, it might be a mutant thing. Who knows? <laughs> it's something, at least. <laughs> well, it looks like a lot of these people were... They at least attempted to rescue them. And a lot of them were also released. Mm-hmm. We have... Let's see. Let's go down here and see which ones were released. Okay. Bullet point one. April 8th, 2000... April 1st, 2008. British environmentalist Murray Watson and his Kenyan colleague Patrick uh, Mukahuma. Uh, They were seized by unknown gunmen and they haven't been heard from or seen since. Hmm. So However, not much of a ransom, though. No, 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 no. Just kind of a kidnapping. However, uh, the photojournalist guy, $600,000 in ransom mm. was paid. They were released, along with that uh, lady that we didn't mention before, and I'm not going to now. Ha-ha. <laughs> uh, she, she's put first before him, which is interesting. She has her own link, too. Wonder, wonder what the story is there. Probably the same thing that he says. Probably. Uh... They were kept in the same room, after all. I mean, yeah. there's not too much variance on their tail. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Gunman Cat 2 French security consultants. They were... Uh... Oh, one of them got out by way of escape. The other one got killed in a botched rescue attempt. Huh. So, uh, kind of a sad thing. Yeah. They are probably going to... He probably would have lived if they would have just waited it out and given them money. Yeah. Okay, next one are the yacht couple, and they were released with a six hundred thousand or six hundred thousand pound. Or is that euro? That's a pound. Okay, yeah, six hundred thousand pound ransom, which is one million two hundred thousand dollars U.S. Hmm. A September eleventh kidnapping of uh, some British public executives, and uh, they one of them was shot. Yeah, they didn't, they they killed the they killed a guy. They didn't they take any guy, captive. They took the wife, and then and then they released her. Huh? Oh, and they 
her family paid the ransom. They kidnapped a uh, paraplegic guy who died later. Wow, that's kind of heartless of them. I mean, they—I mean, they're kidnapping people. Let's—I mean, I understand yeah. that, but, but if you're gonna go after like, if you're gonna kidnap somebody, don't go after the paraplegic. That's just like, you're—you shouldn't double up on your your negative ethical yeah. uh, violations. They double dipped the chip. <laughs> that's not a good thing. And then two other people were released, some Spanish aid workers. And then two other aid workers were rescued by U.S. Navy SEALs. I feel like a lot of these could be made into movies. I mean, why not? Yeah, you're missing opportunities here. I mean, Hollywood's so desperate for ideas, and they love their true stories, so... Look at me. Look at me. I mean, why not? Why not go after all these, you know... I am the writer-director now. <laughs> then there's a whole other paragraph dedicated to that botched rescue attempt of that uh, Dennis Alex guy, that guy from France who was uh, killed in the botched mm. rescue attempt. They tried to redeem their whole uh, mission by way of stating that, you know, 17 militants were also slain in the crossfire. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we got some of the bad guys, yay. But you also killed the guy you went there to go get. Yeah. So... Uh, you know. <laughs> Maybe they took a cue from the movie Speed, where uh, the advice was shoot the hostage. Yeah. <laughs> that that really was, like, the, the answer. But I don't know. But I'm sure they weren't trying to. <laughs> no, they just sort of <laughs> did that on accident. And plus, that in that movie, it wasn't kill the hostage, it was just shoot the hostage. Yeah. So they kind of, yeah. Oh, well, they were being rescued by French forces, so. Well, there you go. If your military doesn't do much. (laughs) (laughs) No, what they needed was Navy SEALs, apparently. Because the Navy SEALs did a successful rescue attempt on other people. And then they killed Bin Laden. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> America, can't say it, this is a family-friendly podcast. <laughs> I mean, ish. I think we've gone off book on that a couple of times. Yeah, but we're, we're, we're pushing it. We're, we're pushing the envelope, man. <laughs> Getting a little bit gritty. Not too dirty for most families, but we dirty could, enough for America. We could be America. shown on TV. We could. we could. After nine. Yeah. Well, not, not even after nine. Like... A subdued eight, as long as we were on, like, <laughs> E or something. Yeah. Okay, so where are we going to go from here? Well, we've got a lot of people, and we also have a lot of weird places, like Harard here. Harard here. Harard here. And kill her. Kill her now. <laughs> Should we go to kill her now? <laughs> no. Kill her. Shoot her. <laughs> and then there's also a dadab. Dadab. <laughs> the dadab refu- refugee camp. Uh, but there's also a link for unsuccessful rescue attempts. <laughs> Actually, that's more of a uh, story link about the uh, failed rescue attempt 
Uh, okay. Um, there is also piracy in Somalia. Ooh, pirates. That might be fun. There's also um, links to the civil war in Somalia. And there's also a link to Medicine Sans Frontiers, which I think we may have already done. I don't think so. But then there's also a link to the yacht S slash Y. S slash Y. And a link to the word hijacked. Specifically towards a maritime hijacking. Huh. Well, that's certainly some interesting options here. I'm willing to bet that the link for S slash Y is probably the story of that kidnapping on that yacht. The thing about that is the yacht S slash Y Lynn Rival is the full name of the yacht. And Lynn Rival isn't the link. The <laughs> link only goes to S slash Y. So S slash Y is not italicized, whereas Lynn Rival is. Which is why I'm compelled to think that hmm. S slash Y might be a classification of a yacht rather uh, than the name of the incident or the yacht. Well, I think you sold me. I'm interested in seeing what that is. Me too, man. Let's figure out what S slash Y is. Oh, hey, there we go. Oh. Hey. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is Sailing Yacht. There you go. Abbreviated as S slash Y. So in that previous article, their sentence was the yacht, Sailing Yacht, Lynn Rival. The yacht that sailing yacht, the rival. <laughs> so I feel I like, like that sentence. They should have not included that first yacht there. No, the the S Y Lynn rival. It's like saying That's it, it should be. Oh yeah, but I mean we're all guilty of this. You ever you, you ever say I just gotta go to the ATM machine? I'll be right back. <laughs> or it's That's three a.m. in the morning. Yeah, exactly. It's all in there. <laughs> you don't need to say it twice, but you do. You do. Because you feel people aren't going to get it the first time. you got to kind of add on that thing to make sure that they know uh, this is the thing. The thing that you're going to, it's a machine. An automated <laughs> teller machine machine. Ooh, you know, that's actually an idea. What's that? Have an ATM machine. A machine that dispenses ATMs. <laughs> There has to be one somewhere. Yeah, they got to build those things someplace. <laughs> there's a machine that does make ATMs. But there should be a commercial one that dispenses ATMs. Pre-made. And then you can have one in your own home that dispenses money. That actually wouldn't be bad. That would be kind of good. Yeah. Why can't I do that? It's uh-huh. my money, and I need it now. <laughs> hmm. We'll, we'll put that on the back burner. We'll have a Wikipedia Chronicles ATM machine. 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 <laughs> Wait, how many machines have we made? <laughs> <laughs> but we could also make the machine that makes the ATMs. Right. And then have a machine <laughs> that gives the ATMs out. Right. So which one's the ATM machine machine? 
And which one's just the ACM hmm. machine? I don't know. We'll give them artificial intelligence and let them figure it out. That's probably a bad idea. They control our <laughs> money, man. They're going to run wild with that. Mm, you see what Ultron true. did? Ultron just gave that guy who's definitely going to become another villain <laughs> like billions of dollars. You don't want to trust AIs with money. They're bad with it. Uh, that's true. Spoilers <coughs> for uh, Age of Ultron, if you haven't seen uh. it yet. <laughs> yeah, you didn't name names. That's true. I just named that there's a situation where <laughs> one guy gets a lot of money from Ultron... And that only happens once in the movie, so <laughs> I guess when you when you see it, you'll be like, "Oh man, I heard about this already." <laughs> Shoot, but, but it's then, already over. Yeah, you've so. already seen. You'll you have seen it at that point. It won't yeah. have been spoiled for you, so that's fine. Anyway, I guess <laughs> we're doing a podcast about this article, right? Like that's what we're. I think so. <laughs> that's what we're here to do. I believe that's <laughs> what this is. Okay. Uh, okay. So. It, it looks like a, an S-Y or a sailing yacht or an S-slash-Y, whatever you want to call it, is a yacht that uses a sail as the primary means of propulsion. Internationally recognized by the International Sailing Federation, this category of yacht includes, within it, the sailing boats that exceed 30 feet over 9 meters so in all aspect, in all respects, similar to a yacht. In other words, this thing has to be big. <laughs> it cannot be short. If it is short, then you have not spent enough money on it <laughs> and must leave the yacht club. Yes. The only people that can have yachts are people that have enough money. It says here that sailing yachts can range in overall length. Length overall to which there is a link and an abbreviation huh. LOA. Why does that need an abbreviation? I don't know. I feel like there's a reason why there's an article Hello, for my, just sailing prefixes. My yacht has an LOA of six meters. There's probably an entire like <laughs> subculture we don't even understand with an entire lexicon of language that Ooh. we will never ever Maybe have we a could, use for. Uh, similar to the bird episode, the birding the birdering. Oh, oh, the birding <laughs> and the birderers and the birders. Yeah. we Maybe we could f- delve into yacht club culture. See, the <laughs> thing about that is, is like, bird, for some reason, I, I mean, I know it is pretentious bird watching, but <laughs> for some reason, like, going into yachts is just like, oh, man, I'm just going to throw up from how, <laughs> from how, like, horribly, <laughs> like, affluent this is. I can't handle it. Um... So the whole length overall thing classify it covers uh, yachts from six meters or twenty feet in length to well over ninety-eight feet in length, where the distinction between a yacht and a ship becomes blurred. Sees <laughs> it says that most privately owned yachts fall in the range of about seven to fourteen meters or twenty-three to forty-six feet in length as the cost of building and keeping a yacht rises quickly as the length increases. <laughs> In the United States, sailors tend to refer to smaller yachts as sailboats, oh. which I'm actually sort of familiar with. Those, mm-hmm. you know, you see just around the beach yeah. a lot of the time, like in the summer. So apparently um, sailing and yachting is a sport 
Then I guess you can race. But you can I guess race. That's a sport. You can race any sailboat. It says as long as you are. Ra- it doesn't matter what the size of your sailboat is. Once you're racing with the sailboat, you're yachting. <laughs> I feel like the size of this ship has to play a role in how fast it is. It does. So, I mean, <laughs> think about. Okay, think back to the Spanish Armada, right? Mm-hmm. Spanish Armada got huge, and they got famous for being the nation that couldn't be defeated on the seas. Mm-hmm. So they got all this gold from South America and stuff, and they were busy exploring, and they had these big, boisterous ships. You want to know who took them down? The English. Mm. And you know how they did it? Smaller ships. And at the <laughs> point in time that they did that, the only means of propulsion for a ship were oars or a saddle. Mm. Or, or sorry, not a saddle, a sail. So between those two things, I figure having a sailboat when you're yachting and racing, mm. if you're racing against a, uh, yachts of a larger class, you probably have an advantage if you have a smaller boat. Yeah, I think so. Well, do you want to investigate length overall? Because I don't know how that could be an article. Or yeah, I mean, it's kind of... Yachting or ship prefix. <laughs> there are probably a lot of... If you want to go like the birding, birder <laughs> type route, ship prefix is probably where you want to go. Mm. It's probably an entire maritime language we're unaware of. Yeah. There's also a link to Yacht Club. There's also a link to a list of the large sailing yachts. <laughs> the first rule of Yacht Club is you do not talk about Yacht Club. The second rule of Yacht Club is you do not talk about Yacht Club. And the third rule of Yacht Club is that they must be over nine meters to be in this Yacht Club. Yeah, you got you can't have can't have no small sailboats in here. Get out of here. What are you doing? Hmm. Well, I'm torn. I feel like ship prefix is probably just going to be a whole lot of SMS and SOS, HMS, and, and USS. And NCC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So, length overall? Yeah, let's go for it. Wow, this is Whoa. a larger article than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so many abbreviations for these things. Length overall. Often abbreviated as L O A. O slash A. O dot A dot or O A. <laughs> now, here's an interesting thing. Um, this article is length overall, but for the measurement of an ammunition cartridge, see overall length. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Why don't we? I mean, sure. Why not at this point? Uh, just for thoroughness's sake, length overall is the maximum length of a vessel's hull measured parallel to the waterline. Oh. It's important while docking the ship, and it's most commonly used uh, 
uh, as, as the primary means of expressing the size of a boat. Yeah, and then there's also several other types of length measurements, like LOD, which is the length on deck, and that is useful for smaller sailing vessels. And then there's LOH, or the length of the hull, and LWL, which is loaded waterline length. So that's like saying if it submerges the entire engine on the mm. aft of the vessel, yeah. then you have to keep the LWL in mind because you have a length of your boat that's completely submerged and you'll need to take that into account before you right. come into port. I could drive a ship. <laughs> yeah, I think we got this down. Let's get you some lengths. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. You know, there is a there is a yacht club in uh, in Lancaster. In Lancaster, there is huh. in landlocked Lancaster, PA. <laughs> there is a yacht club. I've passed it. If you go out Columbia Avenue towards uh, Columbia, uh, there is a stretch of road right after you pass like all the towns right before you get to like the bowling alley leisure lanes mm-hmm. off to the right there's like a tennis club and then there's a Lancaster yacht club hmm. and I don't know how that works because there is definitely no water there <laughs> yeah that's a quite a drive for them to go yachting somewhere yeah it's like a three or four hour drive away from the nearest ocean yeah well let's see here we can what is a bowsprit? Something. You see that uh, picture up top? See the picture yeah. up top right that says both LOA and LWL? Yeah. See that bit at the back that kind of like dips down? Uh, that might be your bowsprit. Yeah. Things that stick out in the back. Hmm. Tall ships. Oh, no, That's never mind. Name. Hold on. Bowsprit's actually that large thing that you see like mermaids in the front of the ship carrying uh, it's that it's that thing that like is supposed to like I guess I don't know stab people if you have your ship <laughs> moving fast enough and your person moving slow it's enough it's the bayonet of boats basically yes <laughs> mostly useless <laughs> but occasionally fun not that impaling people is fun <laughs> the Wikipedia Chronicles does not have any affiliation with the views of John King as a person there is a link to tall ships which is interesting. Just tall ones. <laughs> or there's overall length. We can go from length overall to overall length. <laughs> which I don't know if we diagram the uh, destinations that we've had on each episode, but that would kind of be <laughs> kind of a now, fun. If after that we could go to yacht sailing and then Somalia in hostages foreign and then Brennan Nigel. Then we would have a perfect palindrome episode. But I don't think that's possible. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, I'm sure ammunition was evolved in the taking <laughs> of the captives in Somalia, but still. Well, I'm cool to go over to ammunition if you are. All right, let's go. Overall length. Measurement from the base of the brass shell casing to the tip of the bullet. So it's the overall length of the bullet. There's a surprise. <laughs> I gotta say, I was not six, 
I was not expecting that. So a cartridge's overall length may be shorter than the maximum standard equal to the standard or sometimes even longer. So the fact that a uh, overall length of an ammunition cartridge is established, it doesn't mean anybody's actually listening to that. They may or may not. It's up to the manufacturer. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> I like this um, this uh, what is it, organization called the Sporting Arms and Ammunition Manufacturers Institute. Sammy. 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 <laughs> now, there's a, a word here that I'm not familiar with. Is it Ogive? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Um, I have before, but I can't remember for the life of me what it means. It is desirable for these single-loaded cartridges to have as little bullet jump as possible before the bullet's ogive begins to engrave, to be engraved by the rifle's lands. I know what? everything that that sentence meant. What does any of that mean? <laughs> oh, don't you know what a rifle's lands is? We really need to have <laughs> our uh, sister podcast host, Chris Klump, from uh, Enter the Critic, yeah. to come over here because he is a huge aficionado of rifles, weaponry, uh, handguns. Uh, mm-hmm. His rule in his house is that his wife can have as many cats as he has guns. <laughs> so uh, that just kind of tells you a little bit about him. And he would know exactly what that meant. I'm sure he would. But us lowly individuals here at the Wikipedia Chronicles <laughs> uh, have to kind of suppose that that probably means that as a bullet is fired through the chamber of a rifle or a handgun, mm-hmm. there are there is spin put upon it. Mm-hmm. The way that spin is put upon it is by grooves that sort of, once the bullet is fired through the chamber, it has right. grooves that it hits at such a high velocity. It doesn't really slow it down enough to make it less lethal, but it does uh-huh. put spin on it as it comes out of the chamber. Right. At an equal rate, so that it will have spin as it goes directly where you want it to. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing? I don't know why the, that's called the <laughs> rifle's lands. I don't know what that means. but Yeah. But that would make sense. I still want to figure out what no guy is. Yeah, me too. I'd say we go over there. This article's short. Let's do it. Wow, the Ogive is longer than that article. Which is weird because... What? Why would it be? Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So, looks like the Ogive is the roundly tapered end of a two-dimensional or three-dimensional object. So anything shaped like a bullet is an ogive. Says here the pronunciation is ogive. Ogive. Huh. Ogive. Interesting. Ooh, a 13th century itinerant master builder from Picardy in the north of France. Picard was e. the first writer to use the word ogive. I didn't know they had uh, master builders back then. Somebody or, had to build stuff. Or I guess maybe Lego took the master builder name from that. I mean, probably. <laughs> I think they may have gotten to it first. 
but yeah, even um, space shuttles and rockets have O-drive shapes. Even architecture. Anything that's round and tapered. Namely, uh, you'll see it a lot in Gothic architecture where if you go into like a cathedral and it's been one of those ones that has kind of like a mm-hmm. curved top. Like if you think about, for example, the piece, the bishop in chess uh, or a bishop's yeah. hat, it's mm-hmm. very much an ogive. Yes, it is. And that's kind of the architecture you see followed in many church structures. Yeah. And even like uh, specifically Russian architecture. There's a lot of that. There is. And here under woodworking, it says um, an O-drive is a type of curve a piece of wood can be shaped in. See also OG. 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 Yeah, I kind of want to see that. (laughs) Because, I mean, honestly, the rest of this article is just kind of like, this is a shape. Yeah. OG. Oh. OG is actually kind of cool. OG is a curved, often used in molding. So, think. I can't really think of anything. Okay, think of your. You have two options here, audience. Either (laughs) think of a door to an ancient uh, Norwegian dining hall, or just be a young person and think about Skyrim. Go into a door (laughs) in Skyrim, any sort of weird, like, archway molding Mm -hmm. that kind of ends up looking like, oh, I don't know, the aforementioned bishop's bishop's hat. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it right there. Mm -hmm. It's got these nice, like, arky kind of curved things going up to meet at a point in the middle of the mm-hmm. top of the door frame in the middle. Uh, very cool look, but yeah. definitely very Scandinavian almost. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It The term has uses in architecture, mathematics, and fluid mechanics, marine construction, clock design, and plastic surgery. Now, if you had told me that at the beginning of this, we were going to get to plastic surgery <laughs> from... Uh, where did we even start? Started at Nigel Brennan, the kidnapped... Photographer. Oh, well. I don't know. Maybe he had maybe he had uh, plastic surgery, but still. But if you... The path that we took <laughs> would not have led me to this. Yachting yeah. and bullets. <laughs> There may be OG profiles on various objects, limited not to, but including wings on supersonic aircraft, such Mm. as the Concorde. Nice. Yeah. Having that kind of shape apparently is pretty useful, Hmm. not just with fluid dynamics, but with air dynamics. It's also used on the Tomb of Cyrus in Persia. Hey, I remember Persia. Me too. Just got done talking about Persia. <laughs> it's a shame Persia's not around anymore. <laughs> yep. If you click the link, it'll just take you to Iran. And we already went through all that. Well, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> there is a link to Flamboyant. There is. It's also right next to the link for France. Hmm. Coincidence? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> hey, look, there's a link to Ojive. You could check Whoa. out Ojive. Yeah, we could. 
Don't forget, there's still a link to plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Never underestimate plastic surgery. <laughs> there's also a link to facelift if you want to bypass plastic surgery and go to something more specific. <laughs> so I guess this shape is kind of what they're going for in a facelift. Look at your face, man. Pulling Everybody's face is no dive somewhere on your face. It all kind of goes up and meets at your nose. There's a little curve under the eyes. We all got an OG. Everybody's an OG. Everybody's a real OG. Yeah. So the link for flamboyant, then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just curious what it would be in that article. A lot of arcs. A lot Mm. of architecture. architecture. (laughs) As it would turn out. Though we can go immediately to a flamboyant disambiguation, if we so <laughs> choose. So are we on flamboyant now? Are we doing this? Yeah, we're on flamboyant. I mean, we're doing this for now, but... Yeah. I mean, some of these are some pretty impressive churches. You would want to scroll down, at least, to see all of the various examples that they picture yeah, in the gallery. Yeah, pretty impressive. You got several Notre Dames on here. I do mean several. <laughs> That's not a mistake. There just are that many. So, yeah, it, flamboyant, the true meaning of it is in reference to Gothic architecture from, like, the 1300s. The name derives from the flame-like windings of its oh. tracery and the dramatic lengthening of gables and the tops of arches. A key feature, lo and behold, is the OG arch, Ooh. originating in England in around 1320. Soon after that, it spread to York and Durham, although the form was never widely used in England, being superseded by the rise of the perpendicular style around 1350. Hmm. Perpendicular style. I can't really picture what that looks like. I guess... More angular, I would suppose. Yeah. Less 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 curvy. Hmm. Just kind of straight up kind of building. Kind of more like the... uh, St. Jack's Tower down here, mm. only devoid of ornamentation, which would kind of make sense because eventually, you know, England goes off and gets its own church. Right. So they don't necessarily want to emulate the style of the uh, more Catholic <laughs> buildings in France and so on. Yeah. Hmm. Under C also, there is a link to Sonder Gothic. I'm assuming it's some kind of Gothic architecture somewhere. That but. makes sense. Everything else above it's also Gothic architecture, so <laughs> it would only make it would only make good sense for that to be the case. Yes, I gotta say they say that these are flame-like architectures mm-hmm. and ar- architectural styles, but when I look at most of these buildings, I'm like, oh, they look like they're overgrown, but they're in concrete. That's neat. I don't think <laughs> flames. I think plants. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know why that is, but. Just seems more viney to me than flame. Mm. Even kind of to me, it looks a little clocky. Clocky. Like I don't know. It kind of looks like the innards of a clock. Some of these. Yeah, like some of these have like such. It uh, looks like gears and cogs and stuff. Right. Because all these little pieces kind of fit together to make the window complete. For mm. example, or. The columns themselves even look kind of like gears that might whirl around. It's definitely an interesting style here. Very ornate, yeah. Definitely not the most uh, structurally different from many other things at the time, but Mm -hmm. almost certainly 
the European equivalent of some of those mosques that we took a look at last episode, which were mm. kind of yeah. tiled in various mosaics and decorated with the imagery of the Islamic language. Yeah. This is kind of the equivalent of that, except instead of that, we have small cast statues and mm -hmm. uh, likenesses literally everywhere, all over the <laughs> buildings. Yeah, instead of like all the the writings, yeah, it's definitely just like carvings of just, I don't know, little intricacies. Like this one building has a lot of just little tiny... Little tiny dudes yeah. standing, on, standing on like the precipice yeah. of it. There's a lot going on here. It's cool. I like it. But I'm a sucker for architecture too, so... Yeah, yeah, me too. Especially when it's like interesting. When there's a lot going on, I'm immediately there. <laughs> that being said... Let's go to the flamboyant disambiguation. Let's get out of this architecture land. <laughs> All right, let's see what it is. Okay. Well, that's odd. So we got the common English name of Delonyx regia, an ornamental tree, which I don't... What's what's an ornamental tree? Like an, a tree that you have in your house, maybe? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. And then there's several songs... And a type of scarab beetle, and a cuttlefish, and a pop band. That's it. It also <laughs> leads you to a disambiguation f to flame or flaming. <laughs> and that one you may get into <laughs> some hotter water with. But this one is oddly not a very flamboyant uh, disambiguation at all. Yeah, for sure. Well, do you want to check out beetles or... Trees or cuttlefish? Cuttlefish. Alright. Pfeffers, flamboyant cuttlefish. Pfeffers, flamboyant <laughs> cuttlefish. There's a good band name <laughs> right there. That is a good band name. Okay, redirects to Metasepia Pfeffery. <laughs> this guy, this Pfeffer guy, whose name starts with the P, by the way, which is why it's yeah. kind of funny. Pfeffery. He has his own. Kingdom is his own uh, <laughs> scientific term for his name now. So these things are found in Australia, off the waters of northern Australia. So that's interesting. We're back to Australia. It all comes together. <laughs> all you gotta do is keep going down the rabbit hole further. <laughs> these things look real strange, though. Yeah. It's like if an eggplant grew a bunch of fins on its back and then some arms on where its head should be. And grew like a Zoidberg mouth. Then yeah, you'd have you'd have this thing. It's such a strange assortment of colors. It has <laughs> purple and yellow and brown and and white grays going on all through them. Hmm. What a very odd looking cuttlefish. <laughs> now what is um what are cuttlefish like? What What is their deal? I'm not very familiar with them as a species or family or whatever they are. Honestly, I know that they are something. I forget if it's there's some kind of them that's terrifying or uh, <laughs> if they're all generally poisonous. I only um, remember them primarily from 
playing there was this aquarium game that I used to play on the computers in school <laughs> and you could be certain fish or you're like trying to manage the aquarium or something uh, yeah. and like you could like take certain fish and have them eat other fish or have them eat plankton or what have you <laughs> uh, and I remember cuttlefish being something but I forget what it was <laughs> in any event this cuttlefish is in fact poisonous uh, that's why it's so colorful because it is poison. Ah, uh, yes. In nature, color equals poison, pretty much. Yep. If you're a living critter and you have lots of colors, don't eat it. <laughs> but I'm not sure what the overall uh, species of cuttlefish are or what they do. I kind of want to find out. Well, apparently this one has a small cuddle bone. So, so being a cuttlefish <laughs> entails having a cuddle bone. I would think so. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure what the cuddle bone would be. I wonder if the cuddle bone is um, located in other non-cuttlefish fish, or if it is specific to them. I don't know. I kind of want to find out both, but I'm not sure which to go <laughs> for. Do I want to go to cuttlefish, or I want to go to cuddle bone? Well, if we go to cuddle bone, I'm pretty sure it will. Link mention cuttlefish. Yeah, let's do that. So, yeah, let's see about cuttlebone. Huh. It's a weird looking bone. Almost looks like a feather. Oh, duh. Cuttlefish. Cuttlefish are like, uh, like your garden variety, uh, octopus. Or squid. Oh, okay. Okay, so the cuttlebone, or the cuttlefish bone, as it's also known. It's a hard, brittle, internal structure found in all members of family Cypidae, commonly known as cuttlefish. It's, prim it's composed primarily of aragonite. It's a gas-filled shell used for buoyancy control. Oh, dang. Look at this. Depending on the species, cuttle bones implode at a depth of 200 to 600 meters. What? <laughs> so, because of that limitation, that means most cuttlefish live on the sea floor in shallow water, uh, usually on the continental shelf. Hmm. Which is strange because I know for a fact that there are many giant squids <laughs> that live in the Mariana Trench, the deepest part of hmm. the ocean. So I have to wonder if maybe those specific kinds of cephalopods are not, in fact, cuttlefish. Yeah. Well, that bone seems like it would definitely, like, it's a pressure bone. Well, it does say depending on the species. Ah, okay. So, so it doesn't cover all some cuttlefish. Some of them might have, you know, denser bones or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So it says here that we have used cuttle bones hmm. as humans. We used to grind them up to make polishing powder, and that powder was added to toothpaste, uh, antacids, and it was also used commonly as an absorbent. Hmm. Today, they are commonly used as dietary supplements for caged birds, chinchillas, hermit crabs, reptiles, and snails. It's an odd cross-section of animals there. Yeah, so we went from human use to chinchilla use. And birds and crab, hermit crabs. Hermit crabs specifically 
I'm just happy to see that the chinchilla is getting <laughs> something from being domesticated because those things are just too darn cute to be in cages all the time. Yeah. They're just little puffballs. There's little yeah. balls of fur. I mean, they stink to high heaven, but... <laughs> you know, you take the good with the bad. Okay, well, now that we know the cuttlefish bone, do you want to jump over to cuttlefish and see... Well, what is I will... But there's actually more, I think, we should say on the subject of Cuddlebone before we do. Okay. Uh, Cuddlebone is, because it's easy to, uh, because it's able to withstand high temperatures, and because it's easily carved, in many parts of the world, Cuddlebone is used in mold making for small metal casting and for Mm. the creation of jewelry and small sculptural objects. That is very cool. I thought that was just a neat, neat little side bit there. There's also a nice picture down here of a tortoise eating one. <laughs> it's fun. So, shall let's we go, go up to Cuttlefish? Yeah, let's see what's up with the Cuttlefish. Okay. Cuttlefish is definitely something you do not want to cuddle. And it's also something you don't want to fish. Mm. Despite their name, Cuttlefish are not fish. But mollusks. Uh, those scientists always lying to us. I'm telling you. They have W-shaped pupils, eight arms, and two tentacles furnished hmm. with suckers, <laughs> which they use to secure their prey. They range from uh, 5.9 to 9.8 inches in size with the largest species of cuttlefish reaching a mere 20 inches. So these are all smaller dudes. They are not the giants that live in the deep sea. But they are related to them. Oh, yeah, you know it. Oh, they eat other cuttlefish sometimes. That is among their prey. When we start getting into this part of sea life, I just start reminiscing on how alien everything looks. (laughs) Look at their eyes. Just scroll down to the eyes subheading and look at the eye Oof. of that thing. That yeah. just looks like an alien. Or also maybe a very <laughs> angry Mr. Pringle. I'm not really sure which. <laughs> yeah, that definitely looks like a mustache, that little pupil there. Like an angry, like, if you combined the dad from uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs mm. and the Mr. Pringles man, that is what you would get. <laughs> Just an eyebrows covering the eyes type <laughs> Pringles man. Yeah, these things are pretty creepy looking. They only live for about one to two years. Um, one interesting thing here is um, apparently they are among the most intelligent invertebrates. In yeah, they also have one of the largest brain-to-body size ratios of all invertebrates. So not only do they look alien, but they're also smarter than all of the other sea life Hmm. per capita. Okay, this is um, a little weird here. The origin of cuttlefish, the name. The cuddle in cuttlefish comes from the Old English word cudel, meaning cuttlefish, which may be cognate with the Old Norse kadi, cushion, and the middle low German koodle pouch. So, cuttlefish really means 
cuddle fish fish. Really means pouch cushion fish, doesn't it? Yeah. If you go back to the old Norse and the German. Pouch cushion mm. fish. That's not true at all. I don't want to sit <laughs> on one of those. I would die. Well, in a slightly less uh, appetite-appealing approach than last episode, <laughs> guess what, guys? These are commonly consumed as food. Nice. Sorry I can't bring you another kebab. <laughs> but what I can tell you is that cuttlefish are caught for food in the Mediterranean, East Asia, the English Channel, and everywhere. <laughs> in East Asia, dried shredded cuttlefish is a popular snack food, a fact I can personally attest to because I've had it. Yeah. It's not great. Uh, <laughs> in the Qing Dynasty of uh, Manual of Chinese Gastronomy, the Suiyan Shidan, the roe of the cuttlefish, is considered a difficult-to-prepare but sought-after delicacy. Hmm. And in addition to that, they're also quite popular as food in Europe. For example, in northeast Italy, they're used in risotto al nero da sepia, risotto with cuttlefish ink, which is pictured off to the right, I believe, <laughs> linguine with cuttlefish and ink sauce, and it just hmm. kind of looks gross. Yeah. It's this mess of tentacly badness covered in <laughs> the vague remnants of the color black. It's not <laughs> particularly appealing. Looks like something that just kind of fell out of an oily machine. Yeah. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like, like it somebody dropped spaghetti into some kind of machine. Well, and they just put it in a truck engine <laughs> and then just waited for it to come out the exhaust <laughs> and this is what they put on the plate. Apparently the cuttlefish ink was formerly used as um, sepia. The color. Yeah, that's what that was the name of the color produced by the dye. And it's now the name of a very, very well-known Instagram filter. <laughs> also says that cuttlefish are rarely kept as pets, but if you're going to keep one as a pet, there are two kinds you want to look into. The sepia officinalis and the sepia bandensis. Mm. Why those two? I don't know because we haven't gone to those articles yet. <laughs> but they're both on here, so just FYI. And also FYI, you really, really can't cuddle with any of them. It's spelled with <laughs> two Ts and not with two Ds for a reason. Yes. Please, please do not cuddle with your cuttlefish. You nor the cuttlefish will appreciate it. <laughs> it will end badly for everybody. No fun allowed. All right, well, I think that about does it for this episode. It sure does. Um, so, yeah, there, there you have it from Nigel Brennan to Cuttlefish. Uh, if you enjoyed this, please visit facebook.com slash podcast and give us a like and follow. And head over to iTunes and rate and review us. And you can also find new episodes on our website, twc.erictorivio.com I'd like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song and Kokomo Arnold for our outro song. Thanks for joining us. I was Eric. And I was John. And this was the Wikipedia Chronicles. We did it. Yep. It was good. We didn't even didn't even stumble over the whole uh, the, the totally true fact of the day thing. <laughs> 
which for me was going to be that uh, Nigel Brennan was a cuttlefish. Mm. He was a very good friend of mine. <laughs> but then some Somalian guys tracked him down and took him away for some time. Yeah. 